Welcome to um, Humanitarian AI today, and we are very, very delighted to um, introduce uh, to our um, Humanitarian AI today audience um, a, a very, very special um, person from Yushahidi, um, which I just found out means witness in Swahili. Um, Nathaniel Manning is with us to expand on what he does um, in, in this organization. Welcome, Nathaniel. Can you just um, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, Yushahidi? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for, for having me. Um, glad to be here. Uh, so, uh, hi, everyone. My name is Nathaniel Manning. I am uh, the CEO, Executive Director at, at Ushahidi. Um, uh, to tell you a little bit about us, uh, we're actually in our, our 12th year. We were founded in 2008 um, in the post-election violence in Kenya. And uh, uh, Ushahidi, what it, what it really is, is this wonderful um, uh, mashup of kind of the open source software uh, community uh, that's a very international, um, all over the world, passionate uh, community online. Um, and then uh, we were founded by by four Kenyans who were actually all living and mostly working in the States at that time. So they were remote and international, but, um, but, but were founded in the post-election violence in Kenya. So with a really rooted problem um, where they were trying to figure out what was happening on the ground back at home. And so it's this, uh, I mean, we think about ourselves as building software for solving humanitarian and development problems, um, big global grand challenges. Um, and uh, what that looks like is we have built a number of platforms and tools and software tools, as well as incubated organizations and spun them out um, that, uh, that work across this sector, um, uh, predominantly uh, in the area of building um, data-driven products that uh, do things like uh, help you understand what's happening on the ground, uh, gather information from people, um, and respond to it. So our, our mm -hmm. primary tool, the Ushahidi platform, that most people know us for, um, has been around for 12 years now. It's been used almost 200,000 times across 160 countries to uh, let people gather information, triage it, and respond. Um, predominantly for all sorts of different uses, which is the fun for, part about platforms, but most often known for crisis response, election monitoring, and, and human rights reporting. Right, that's that's so important. So I, I'm seeing this um, quote, any techies out there willing to do a mashup of where the violence and destruction is occurring and put it on a map? Can you unpack that and walk us through from that 2008 and you know, the, the, the development, what that journey really, you know, in, in more of a um, just um, an experiential way. When did you jump into this? How, how long have you been involved? And, you know, what, what got you interested in, in, in Yushahidi? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so the original Ushahidi tool and kind of idea was really about, like, as I mentioned, trying to understand what's happening on the ground. What uh, I think about it is what, where, and when. Um, so it's kind of using the wisdom of the crowd. So to do that and, and in like UN, you know, uh, 
OCHA or, you know, a kind of speak or, or an emergency response speak, it would be called an incident reporting and situational awareness tool. But, you know, to, to most people, it's just thought of as like uh, crowdsourcing um, uh, reports. And, and Ushidi was kind of one of the very first organizations to say, hey, you could use this new medium of social media and text messaging and all of this, and we can gather information from all these different sources um, and figure out, you know, what, where, and when. So Ushidi mm. basically allows you to gather info from social media, from text message, from email, from embeddable web forms, uh, put them through a workflow, uh, triage them, and then uh, put them into a visualization of uh, fundamentally a map and a timeline. Um, so again, you know, understanding both what and temporally when, um, and then, uh, and then do something about it, whether that's advocate or respond. Uh, and so Ushidi started in that, as I mentioned, the 2008 post-election mm -hmm. violence in Kenya. Um, right. It then uh, was made open source. The, the, you know, the founders kind of kept working at it. It was a side project. They got some funding. They built it into it's a nonprofit organization. Um, and then it, it got really a lot of attention in its use in the, the response to the Haiti earthquake. Um, wow. Mm -hmm. And uh, was... Well, you know, it was used by 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 everyone in that situation, from the U.S. government to the Haitian government to the U.N. to local organizations, the Red Cross, um, and it became kind of this data hub. Um, and uh, and that's when I kind of got a, a, a wind of it and saw and was really in, in, empowered and um, fascinated. And then I was at this. You asked how I got involved. I was at this program in the Bay Area, all about how technology was going to solve big problems in the world, um, and, and it was an inspiring program. But one of the only, you know, people um, that was from the developing world who had built a comp software product and company was the, one of the founders of Ushahidi, Juliana, and and she just very, I was very impressed, and mm -hmm. um, and said, you know, I, I I'd like to go work with them and make this happen. They seem to really be right next to the problem and understand it. And that's what's most important. And they were trying to figure out how to um, make the company more sustainable and kind of just been been working through one some some um, philanthropic support at that time and was trying to build a more sustainable business model. And uh, they I, I kind of did a little bit of free consulting for a couple months and then they brought me on full time to to really run that business strategy side of stuff. And I've been um, Aside from a, a kind of a one year fellowship away where I was working in D.C., um, I uh, I've been I've been there ever since, which was kind of at the end of 2011. Um, and now uh, for the last number of years, have been been running the organization. Right. Would you would you um, say that describing um, Yushahidi as a task rabbit for humanitarian um sort of um, coordination efforts and and whatnot um, it is a way to sort of describe it how huh. um, yeah Brent and I were chatting about it and he was trying to sort of um, put me in the picture um, how how would you uh, describe it um, in your words well that's a it's a, interesting you say that because I think um, and it's a good sort of uh, segue into one of the newest tools that we've been building, which is called Dispatcher, mm -hmm. which I would say is is maybe more accurately the tool that is, I would say, kind of the task rabbit for right. um, community, for 
I would say more community resilience, um, and then in time crisis response. And but that product really came out of what was happening at Ushahidi. So mm -hmm. Ushahidi, you know, it, I would say maybe like TaskRabbit, but um, I I mean I think of it as uh, you know sort of like uh, um, it's like a GitHub project which you know anyone not everyone might might know but it's sort of structured like like setting up a, a wordpress website like every ushahidi deployment which is the word we use what you can call them an instance you can call them a, a website um they're all their own right it's not um it's not like twitter it's like everyone is its own wordpress site or its own squarespace site like every ushahidi is that we call it a uh, you know, WordPress or Squarespace might be called like a, a content management system, a CMS. We think of Ushidi as a DMS, a data management system. Mm -hmm. um, and um, uh, yeah, and what I would say, so TaskRabbit, just to continue on that one, is is kind of like, it's thinking about demand and supply, right? Like the demand is needs, the supply is people that can help service those needs. Um, and Ushahidi, uh, we, a few, about a Two years ago, we sat back and kind of looked at everything and asked, "What what is it that was trying to be solved here?" And, and in the crisis scenario, it, it is very much it, that. It, a lot of the times, what what it's doing is trying people are servicing needs, and then you're triaging those needs and trying to deploy resources to them. And mm -hmm. what we realized was that um, us, you know, maybe at the forefront, but kind of the whole sector, because now there's lots of things that are very much like Ushahidi, have done a great job of, of uh, improving the demand side, right? We were, were able to gather data from text, all these smartphones and all these people. We're able to like glean insight using natural language processing off of the, um, off of social media. Uh, but then actually the, the triage and response process is still extremely manual for the mm. for the most part um it, there's there's some there's some um there's some neat like technology doing tagging and things like that but it's it's very much like uh being in a large google doc with many people kind of live triaging responses and a lot of it takes a human effort um mm -hmm. but um uh but for instance uh i i think that what we identified was that the supply side of it that sort of the resources side was still quite lacking, whereas the need side had, um, had gone come a long way in the last decade. Uh, and just to give you an example of that, you know, where thank we you. Yeah, I was just about to jump in and say, yeah. could you give us an example? Brilliant. Yeah, go on. Yeah, absolutely. That's super, super so, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what what really kind of ticked this off to us was the um, there was the use of Ushahidi in the 2015 Nepalese earthquake, and then mm -hmm. the um, it was a. Uh, uh, there's a project called Quake Map, um, and a group mm -hmm. called Kathmandu Living Labs had actually um, had really the foresight to set up uh, an Ushahidi instance ahead of time. They they were very active OpenStreetMap contributors, and they said, you know, we know that there's going to be an earthquake here one day, and so we're going to, you know, just set up an Ushahidi instance ahead of time, which rarely happens in case um, it does hit, and we'll start trying to let people know. And they did, and, and it could have been ten years, it could have been twenty years, but it happened to be that actually an earthquake hit within the next year. Uh, oh my gosh! Wow. And, you know, it was a, quite a few members, quite devastating earthquake, and um, they, uh, you know, and then people, you know, they'd already been doing a lot of, you know, grassroots work and a lot of work, and so a lot of people started contributing. Uh, meanwhile, the Nepalese army is kind of doing their normal system, which is that they don't actually, they actually didn't have a an incident reporting tool, right? Like they don't have, they didn't have a 911 the way that 
we might have in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and for instance, 911 also breaks down in large crises in the United States. It, it's very good for getting someone to the hospital. It, 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 it tends to um, not work at mass scale, like in the um, uh, Harvey hurricane, for instance. There's a great article in the New York Times about this. But I digress. Go back to Nepal. Um, mm-hmm. And the Nepalese army is more or less doing what they do, which is running um, uh, helicopters in sort of disaster assessments in kind of uh, circles, centric, concentric circles out from Kamendu. And um, uh, it's not all that efficient trying to see like where the most damage is, stopping and seeing who needs help. Uh, after about 24 or 48 hours, we, the quake map deployment by this local grassroots organization had almost a thousand reports of geolocated people saying, hey, I need food here. Hey, we need rescue. We need people who, who need to get to a hospital and, and we can't get out. Um, the roads are down, et cetera. Um, meanwhile, you know, we have our what we call armchair volunteers from all over the world logging mm-hmm. in um, and like live yep. triaging this, wow. these sports. Mm-hmm. So the Nepalese army goes, oh, wait, what? There's there's a map with exactly who needs help with their exact geolo coordinates? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they get put in touch with the deployment. And, and as they're triaging those reports, someone then picks up a phone, calls the Nepalese army, gives them the details, and they dispatch a helicopter to rescue that person uh, or that or go to that town and, and provide the need that's there. And, and they ended up dispatching about 700 helicopters in response to the reports coming in through Shahidi over the next, you know, 48 hours, um, arguably saving, you know, at least 700 lives, probably a lot more. Um, um, but, um, what you see in that situation, right, is that actually it was, there was a lot that had to go right for that to happen. Um, and there was a lot of man, human luck that like, uh, and, and human work that like you used all this intelligent technology to like geolocate and triage and gather reports from people who need help in rural towns and then someone picks up a phone and calls the the army and gives them the reads off the G, the gps low coordinates which is like you suddenly went from like 21st century technology back to like the very first communication you know like incredible back to telephones it Uh, feels like a strong community is this something that as you said it just happened the luck factor but i'm 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 hearing great community response to you know were they prepared like i'm i'm we're both i think in san francisco aren't we and we, we 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 know what's been going on in california and i don't know about you but i'm i'm kind of um you know thinking about what would happen here? You know, what what would happen here if if the same thing happened? You know, what what would um, would Ushahidi be something we could um, use here? And how would um, the public here be able to? Um, what what could we do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm sitting on a fault line as we mm-hmm. as we speak. Mm-hmm. We've uh, been shaking. We've been shaking. Yeah, yeah. I um, know. Oh, so dear. the yeah. the um. That's exactly right. And so, I mean, some of the learnings from that, which have informed this new product we're building called Dispatcher, um, uh, are a few things. One is that you really, a, a tool has to be used every single day for it to be used in a crisis. Right. So you got to be ahead of time and it's got to be useful doing community building. So even if it's just task rabbit, like someone, you know, helping a neighbor break down boxes or clean out their garage that's actually the exact same tool that's going to be used when a crisis hits and it's like 
who has food in the neighborhood that can that can go help someone else. Mm. So that's that's one real insight that we've learned from 10 years of doing this work. And it's a hard one. Like it means you have to solve two problems. You have to actually I think you have to solve kind of the community building problem and then design with crisis in mind um, mm. versus the, the opposite. Um, so what would that look like? Like I'm trying to imagine, you know. What, so what, what Dispatcher what, does yeah. is mm -hmm. we call it, it's a tool that allows you to give help and get help in your neighborhoods and communities. Mm -hmm. So what it does is you, uh, if you think about the way that in the U.S. like Nextdoor works, um, mm -hmm. oh, yes, about a of third of Mm -hmm. A post to next door at people asking for help or, or offering help. So it could be or or advice. And so it could be someone, you know, just saying, hey, I, I you know, I need uh, help. Um, yeah, breaking down boxes or we're looking for a babysitter in the community or, um, you know, uh, who has a little bit of who can help me replace a light bulb, you know, one of the most mundane, but, um, you know, real things, particularly for elderly folks. Um, and then yeah. uh, that same exact tool, that same exact natural language, you know, same exact matching algorithm. If you imagine a tool that works like that, that works a lot like TaskRabbit or Uber or Lyft, but but's free and it's community based. What Dispatcher does is it does that. You ask for local advice or helping hands, and then you actually earn these kind of um, what we're calling Samaritan points, which then um, let you, uh, uh, which were ideally like give you other things in app, kind of a, an incentivizing, gamifying. Ideally, we want to be able to use those at local businesses. Um, and it's really about building stronger, well-knit, more resilient communities. Um, and uh, and then you imagine when if a crisis were to hit and someone's saying, I need emergency assistance or I want to, um, we need a rescue over here, or we need uh, food. It's actually exactly the same tool, right? It's, it's, it's someone saying needs, you know, at the end of the day, what we identified with Ushahidi and what we're trying to build with Ushi with with dispatcher is that uh -huh. all anyone's trying to do is match resources to needs. And what if you can build a, a tool and an algorithm that has the ma the resources on one end, whether that's a local neighbor helping out the, the resources of the Red Cross or the resources of your city or FEMA or government or the helicopters of an army, all in one place, and then you have citizens all reporting who needs help and mm -hmm. where they need help. Um, and you have a tool that's matching those two things. That's all anyone's really trying to do um, in a crisis scenario. And uh, and actually um, often across kind of long burn crises as well, whether that's trying to find out who needs access to uh, a government service providing um, food stamps and, and food uh, support or um, uh, any other potential uh, thing that's out there. Um, so, uh, well, yeah, that's what what we come around to. Dispatcher uh, is that's that is what Dispatcher is all about is trying to uh, to do just that match match resources with needs, uh, help build more resilient communities, um, and uh, uh, trying to trying to solve that kind of problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned the crisis response. Um, I think. Um, we're having um, a conversation about defining um, the humanitarian AI space um, and what it is. And, and, and I come across data scientists who, you know, will say things like um, data science and AI. It's a space that's really um, quite, quite fresh and, and evolving and, from your point of view, how would you describe the humanitarian AI um, sector um, as being unique from uh, other sectors in AI? 
Yeah. Um, well, I think that uh, I think that though some of the ways that it's unique are um, one. Uh, well, first off, you're not you're, you're primarily impact and mission driven, not um, financially driven. Mm -hmm. um, and then two, I think the real thing is that in a humanitarian crisis, whether it's happening in Katrina, New Orleans, or, you know, in a first world country, or um, is a terrorist attack in Europe, or is a Syrian refugee crisis, or is a famine in a really world part of, um, you know, Bangladesh or Africa, uh, or, you know, or Chad, um, like the 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 issue there is that those those people are i would say um disadvantaged and marginalized you know and and they're at a disadvantage uh, particularly a technological one so often you're dealing with just less data um mm -hmm. and ai runs on data um and uh and so that's a real challenge um uh right like now in yeah you know, in well-working San Francisco, like so much of our every move is tracked and there's data all about us and all sorts of stuff. But, you know, if you're working in a in a place that's um, where people are, are, you know, dealing with some sort of humanitarian crisis, most likely not all of that data is going to be as available. And whatever data was available in their sort of regular day lives is probably mm -hmm. not that relevant as much anymore. Um, the things that do become really interesting and where you see a lot of innovation is like, satellite imagery, that kind of data, um, you know, that becomes super useful because mm. and you can do a lot of interesting AI stuff. And so I've, I've seen a lot of cool stuff done there. Mm. Um, yeah, but it's no, a, that it's connects a, the dots nicely. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, that's beautiful. So sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. Keep going. Um, did, no, absolutely. I think else? that's, uh, no, just, I think, I think it's a, it's a, it's a new space, but it's also a, um, it's got a lot of energy and I'm psyched about it. Um, there's a lot of fascinating stuff going on and there's actually, there's a lot of opportunity to kind of what I would say, use all these kind of, uh, these superpowers, mm -hmm. um, you know, cause that's really what being able to build technology like this is, um, for really good purpose. Yeah. Something that comes to mind, I don't know if it's uh, relevant, but, um, just, just in terms of, um, something quite local and, and, it's growing is is the the homeless situation um is is dispatcher something that that would be um connected to to that as a crisis and and how so i know a lot of r d money is going into um figuring out what that crisis is about mark benioff is spending i think 30 million on 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 just r d alone um i'm i'm wondering is 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 there a connection to dispatcher that 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 could come in and um inform in that space what what's something that we could learn absolutely yeah, yeah i know it's something we've been looking at and mm -hmm. um that's the kind of crisis that i think you know I, I would call kind of like a long burn crisis it's not it's a crisis it is a crisis it's not an earthquake mm -hmm. but it, it is a crisis and it's happening you know every day and, and actually that's a exactly you know again a lot of what it is like how are you matching the, the available resources with with the needs of of these people and that's a hard thing um because 
identifying the needs is challenging. How do you figure that out? And there's lots of different resources and they're disparate and temporal. And um, how do you, how do you uh, use technology to try to better do that? Um, that's, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, there's so many. And then, then the immigration um, situation that we're currently facing, um, are, are you, are you looking at um, things that are going on in this country? I'm curious, um, what's been unbelievable to you locally? What's been unbelievable to you? Um, and what have you learned um, from, from lessons um, working, um, you know, with Nepal and uh, Kenya elections? Um, have, are you building models that, that we can all kind of hear about? And, um, yeah, I'm curious to learn from, from your, um, you know, wisdom and, and what you've learned. Yeah. If that makes sense. Sorry. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. Yeah, Yeah, no. So I'll, I'll take a specific part of that around elections because, because I said, Ushahidi's done a lot of work with elections, um, all over the world. Uh, yep. And in the U.S. as well. Um, and uh, a couple of key things to know, um, a couple of key lessons. One is that um, in the U.S., um, there is uh, there is a lot of serious problems around voter suppression and suppressing the vote of particularly marginalized people, minorities, and um, who tend to vote uh, towards the left. Um, However, and however, there is not, uh, and I repeat, there is not a lot of evidence of voter uh, fraud, and those two things are really different. Um, what mm. the point is, is like the game is not all that fair at the moment, um, uh, but it's not because of uh, you know, it's not because of of, of the system um, or like the actual voting process. Uh, not working that well. It's because of sort of systemic situa- uh, actions trying to marginalize and stop people from voting. Um, that's messed up. Um, the And, you know, we see that happening internationally all the time. But but internationally, we see, we see more fraud. There is more activity, you know, trying to identify actual fraud, like ballot stuffing and miscounting and this sort of thing. And there's very little evidence of that being done in the United States. Um, because it's, well, I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, yeah. The, yeah, no, it's... <laughs> the, the other important thing is that what is similar, though, is what and what's sadly happening more and more here is that in the internationally and particularly new democracies, an election is, and particularly when elections are quite close, like there's a, you know, in Kenya, for instance, it's, it's you know, it's pretty similar sort of polarization to the United States in that, like, it's pretty close kind of 50-50 uh, mm-hmm. with two different parties or, um, uh, or two different coalitions uh, or like in the UK or in other places. What, what unfortunately, an election in those kind of situations is actually quite a dangerous moment. It, it often erupts in some sort of violence um, because half the country is going to be ticked off that they lost. Um, and what's really powerful is that in the United States for a very long time, that's happened and people said, okay, I trust the process. Thank you. And, um, you know, better luck next time. Um, and well, let's go back to our lives and shake hands across, you know, the proverbial aisle. Um, but we see in other places where, you know, maybe there's only been 30 years of a democracy or 40 years, um, you know, it, it gets violent. 
um, and that was the that's what happened to start up Ushahidi. Um, unfortunately, in 2016 in the U.S., um, uh, there was a it was a very close election, and a lot of people were angry, and, and a lot of hate speech um, and hate crimes kind of came out uh, right after that election. And we were doing a project monitoring the election, and sure enough, um, a huge portion of the data that came in was around issues of harassment and um, you know vandalism and swastikas being drawn and hate speech um, the day and weeks after the election and, and leading up to the election. Um, and uh, you know we categorized. Uh, and, and uh, hundreds of these reports um, in a project called Document Hate um, that we handed over to ProPublica eventually, who's still running it, Documenting Hate. Um, and uh, that is really sad because uh, that wasn't that normal here in the United States. Um, uh, and it's starting to, you know, coming from the international perspective, we're starting to mm. look a lot more, our election is starting to look a lot more like... Um, elections in places where uh, people have not um, had, uh, where, where democracy is much more new. Um, and that's a sad thing. Mm. Yeah, we need a healthier engagement and debate process. I think um, it, it's it's completely um, gone, gone. It's so polarized. But, but going into something else, um, uh, that the whole climate crisis situation, so we've, we've touched on um, earthquake and elections and um, climate was the next thing I thought would be, um, you know, really, really timely and uh, interesting to, to see how, you know, dispatcher might, might be um, used in, in, you know, um, a lot of the refugee crisis out of Syria has been connected to um, droughts and, and changes in, in climate there. And we're seeing um, more human mobility um, happening um, around coastal places after, um, you know, I, I was with um, former president of Kiribati uh, and his islands, uh, President uh, Anote Tong, last night. And he, you know, he's um, talking about um, his the Republic of Kiribati is literally almost underwater. Um, and, and he he bought some uh, land in Fiji, and he's trying to find homes for his people. And um, and and we were talking about the moral crisis attached to that. And um, the other issue there is um, how do you retain your identity when you when you are you know mobilised from your home? And and I, I, I don't know if this connects to dispatcher, but I'm I'm just trying to um, yeah see. If, if you have anything to share about climate crises um, and dispatcher. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think for dispatcher, the, the, again, what we're trying to do is build better resilience. So a mm. lot of the data shows that better connected communities um, where people are really interacting and know each other. Um, there's a ten, this is the data, there's the number, 10 times less chance of, of, um, uh, of death or suffering in a crisis. Um, simply because, and there's some great research that was done in, uh, I forget the author's name, there's a New Yorker article about it, but um, around uh, the heat waves in Chicago where they were compared mm -hmm. to neighborhoods. Um, there's a book by Rebecca Solnit about, um, uh, what's it called, pa uh, Paradise in Hell, about uh, post-Katrina. And, mm. um, and, and it shows just this, this info. Yeah. And, that, and we're really building on that, right? And, and so 
yeah, it's absolutely connected to the climate crisis because we're going to see a lot more crises due to the climate disaster. And what we're trying to do is build better resilience um, to uh, for for communities as they have to deal with more and more, you know, uh, natural disasters. And mm. whether that's, you know, hurricanes or uh, fires or droughts or raising rising seawater. Um, mm. So... Mm-hmm. So and you've at the end got today. It's like how are you matching those resources with needs? That's what it all comes down to. Are you coordinating with other data scientists and um, people in the AI humanitarian community or outside that community? Like what 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 could people do to help you? Mentioned something in Nepal about couch. What was it? The term you used? Couch. A bit. Oh early, yeah, sure. Remember? Mm-hmm. Um, what I'd be one of those couch people. So what? What? Can yeah, you there's do? so there's the standby. Uh, we call them armchair volunteers. Armchair um, volunteers. Sorry, that uh, was it. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> of course. Um, the the standby volunteer task force is the organization mm-hmm. that we kind of helped build and then spun out as its own entity now of people who do work on Ushahidi or OpenStreetMap and all sorts of other things as sort of uh, supporters. The same way that one would be an editor on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, the okay. other way you could help, um, you can set up Ushahidi instances in your neighborhoods ahead of time. Um, you can come use Dispatcher and set that up. Um, uh, we'll be out this fall and, and encourage people to uh, put it up in their neighborhood. Get you know If you have a neighborhood listserv or um, you have an affiliate group like a university alumni group or any other kind of various things, like these are the kind of groups that you could uh, use Dispatcher with to try to um, match resources with needs. Um, if you're an organization that's trying to provide resources to a community, um, you could uh, you could do the same thing there, and we'd love to work with you to do that. Um, the uh, yeah, and then we do work with other organizations. I'm a big fan of um, uh, of DataKind, um, who you should talk to. Uh, Jake Porway over there is really leading uh, the way I think in applying data science and AI to uh, for social good. Um, and, uh, and so you know, the Rockefeller Foundation, uh, and Amazon AWS actually were some of the folks who helped fund the initial research that went into, uh, creating Dispatcher. Um, and, uh, yeah, we welcome, you know, other ways to engage is engage with, uh, Ushihidi platform is all open source, you know, for those engineers out there, you can get in there and help write code and build open source free software that helps save lives, um, and, uh, protect elections, um, and uh, you know, use the tool and give us feedback. That's that's the most important thing. Well, thank you so much. That that's just wow. We very timely indeed. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share about Dispatcher or yourself or Ushahidi um, uh, moving forward and 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 getting ready to maybe wrap things up? This has been super amazing. Just hearing everything so far, I'm I'm just in awe. Um, listening to you, um, and and I would love to continue chatting. Obviously, there's no rush. Just um, uh, yeah, and let's. Um, um, uh, I do have to to run. Um, mm-hmm. Got, uh, but um, I've really enjoyed the conversation today. Um, oh, it's been wonderful. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Thank you. You know, I think uh, final parting words is just. Um, I, I mean, I think for for everyone out there, I think you know, how, be asking yourself, how do you use your uh, your superpowers for for good? Um, and we all have superpowers in different ways we can contribute. Um, and good can look like anything from philanthropic support to uh, 
um, uh, your time um, uh, to, to all sorts of different stuff. But um, and I think this is kind of like the big the big picture uh, question is how are we all working together to kind of be more altruistic, more compassionate, and um, reduce suffering. Mm, yeah, and and the, the awareness that you've just given us is is you know I think a great um, way to to inform people what they can do. I think my my experience is um, everyone has these you know superpowers if you want to call them superpowers. They just don't know how to connect them and where they can take them. So this mm-hmm. this armchair approach is is quite cool. And um, and then to other data scientists um, or or whoever. Um, wants to help out in 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 different ways. Um, how would they reach out to you? What what would be a way to connect to to Ushahidi? Um, the best way to find us is on our website um, mm-hmm. ushahidi.com. Um, you can read a bunch about us on uh, our blog there or our Medium blog. Um, you know you can you can track us down on Twitter. Um, but uh, most of the stuff all about us, and if you want to get started using Ushahidi, you can do that for free in a in a blink um, at ushahidi.com. Um, and we'll be posting more about Dispatcher there in time as well. Um, it's still kind of in, in private beta, but we um, you can go to getdispatcher.com if you want to sign up and, and learn more as we, uh, we have it ready for testing. Sounds great. Well, thanks so much um, for for your time and and sharing so much. It's been an absolute pleasure, and um, I I'm I'm just in awe. What can I say? Um, Thank you, you so take much. Take care and you be well, and and all the best with Dispatcher and Oshahidi. Um, you too. All right, that that wraps uh, this um, chat with um, humanitarian AI today.